Welcome to the Dental Amigos Podcast with Dr. Paul Goodman and attorney Rob Montgomery, taking you behind the scenes of the dental business world, all the things you didn't learn in dental school but wish you had. Rob is not a dentist and Paul is not a lawyer, but since Rob is a lawyer, we need to tell you that this podcast is for informational purposes only and shouldn't be considered legal advice. Listening to this podcast does not and will not create an attorney-client relationship. As is always the case, you should formally consult with legal counsel before proceeding with any legal matter. Learn more about The Dental Amigos at www.thedentalamigos.com. And now, here are The Dental Amigos. Hello, everyone. I'm Rob Montgomery. I'm joined, as always, by the head nacho himself, Dr. Paul Goodman. Great to be here, Rob. It's good to see you, Paul, and welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Dental Amigos. Uh, We're into season two, talking about associate agreements from the practice owner's perspective. Super important. Yep. And uh, so today, we're going to talk about term and termination, which is uh, a topic that we covered in season one from the associate's perspective. So we're going to look at this from the practice owner's perspective. Gotcha. I'm looking forward to learning. Yeah. And I think, uh, as we said during the associate episode, this is sort of an area of the the business dental legal world that has really changed over the last, you know, five years, but really over the last two, two and a half years, where uh, especially large dental groups, DSOs and corporate owners have introduced new concepts, uh, to put that word in quotes, yeah. um, <laughs> in this in this area uh, in dealing with how much notice has to be given, whether or not somebody can terminate their employment uh, without living up to a certain term. And uh, so that's had a trickle-down yeah. effect. And I think... You know, we have to really, this is one of those things where there's a fine line between protecting yourself as the practice owner and entering into an agreement where you're essentially winning that contract. And you can do that. You know, you're entitled to go and try to win whatever contract you're, you're in. But I'll say that you better be ready for the consequences of that win. And the consequences usually are that the person who's going to lose is not going to feel too good about that well, relationship. I, I, li- I live with uh, three, uh, I guess now four amazing. Uh, we have a Tilly, we have Drew, we have Daphne and Mary. And I'm sure it happens to me. Whenever I win an argument, it could be with Drew over you know her not watching this show. It doesn't always feel like a win, Rob. Right? It doesn't yeah. always feel like the energy. So I think if, when you try to win something with someone that you spend time with physically in the same mm-hmm. space every day, it's a the version of winning is not necessarily one you want. I like that. Huh? The cost of winning. Yeah, oh, yes. You know what is the cost of winning? And and I think that's a good point that you know I think our. Uh, podcast is really geared more towards the dentist, the owner operators, obviously. Yeah. But it's a different scenario when you're putting things in an employment agreement yeah. with somebody that you work next to on a regular basis and one thing I wanna... versus having yeah. things in the agreement where, you know, corporate, like nobody, the person that signs the agreement is never setting foot in the office. Yeah. And to that's deal what I say, just for the just for our listeners, whether this could be their first episode. And I think, you know, uh, someone's asking me for our next C thing, what's a fun fact about Rob? I said Rob was a New Jersey Shore lifeguard for many years, right? Yep. Put in, True story. So just so, I mean, just want to put point this out for people listening. The reason why they could be so strong on these termination clauses is because they can't open up their practice without this associate. They can't open up the beach without the lifeguard, mm-hmm. right? So it's very different, you know, just 
than an owner operator. It's like they need this licensed dentist or else the whole thing shuts down. Absolutely. Right. And it's a totally different mindset. So, you know, where uh, a lot of times I'll encourage clients to look to DSOs and and corporate ownership to kind of get cues as to good business judgment and how to handle certain situations. Uh, But this is one of those that's that's a little different, you know, and but however, uh, what is you know, commonly the case, the provisions and the concepts that make it into their agreements trickle down right. into the owner-operator agreements. And I think it's important to really uh, to be mindful of that as a practice owner is, you know, is this really, while this is really good for me, is this too good for me in such a way that, you know, I may have a bad situation yeah. down the road? Maybe, uh, Robert, as we go through this checklist, this what does term and termination mean exactly? If you were just saying to a dentist, what do these words mean? Okay. So term is the, the length of the contract. Right. So you may sign an associate agreement with a one-year term or a two-year exactly. term. Um, that's just like a lease for an apartment. I right. sign a one-year lease. This is a one-year uh, employment agreement. Most associate agreements in the dental world also have the ability to terminate those agreements earlier than that one year or two year period. Uh, but all agreements almost universally have what are known as termination provisions. Gotcha. You know, How can the dentist terminate their employment? How can they quit? How can the practice owner terminate gotcha. the associate? How can they fire them? What are the circumstances? And so uh, what we're talking about generally with termination is you know, we're talking about termination for cause or without cause. Termination for cause, we talk about that, is generally the things that are intuitive to all gotcha. of us, that something happened that caused that termination to be necessary. So the dentist lost their license. They're no longer insurable. Um, they committed a felony. Gotcha. Uh, they were stealing from the practice. They were sexually harassing the other uh, the other employees, like that kind of stuff. The things that if somebody was doing, you'd say they were fired because gotcha. you would say, of course, you lose Those your job costs. when you do that. But like, didn't like their crown preps start to become that starts subjective. to get into that gray area. Yeah. Now sometimes you'll see where that is defined as a four cause thing. But it's a very subjective thing. Gotcha. So depending on which side of the equation you're on, that may or may not be a good thing. Without cause just means, hey, you're a fine dentist. You haven't done anything wrong. I need to let you go. We don't have enough patience gotcha. or, you know, um, we just don't get along that well. Or your um, your personality and how you talk to the patients is not you know, consistent with the vision that we have here. Uh, Like that kind of stuff is more without cause. Gotcha. So generally speaking, when you are terminating somebody for cause, most contracts will allow or should allow that to happen somewhat immediately. Gotcha. So if somebody loses their license, they don't get to work another month, right? right? If somebody's not insurable, you can't have them there any longer. Generally, though, termination without cause, you're usually looking at a certain period of time of notice that needs to be given before that becomes effective. So uh, that goes both ways. 
How much time does the associate have to give the practice before they could leave? How much time does the practice have to give the associate before they could terminate that? Gotcha. And so what we typically see in the owner-operator world is 30 days notice, 60 days notice, occasionally 90 days. So what this means is, just so I could share, so if, you're, if I'm a practice owner, I have multiple associates, the goal for this to work within the contract, I'm gonna say, hey, it's May 1st, Paul. It's been great to work here. I'm gonna be done on June 1st. My contract says 30 days. Here's my official notice via email, via mm -hmm. conversation. Right. And then the practice is notified. And then on June 1st, they have no more responsibilities to be here. They've kind of fulfilled their contractual obligations. Does that make sense? Correct. Yep. Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, there's some different versions of this and different, different nuances. Sometimes you may see a situation where the practice has to give the employee 30 days and the employee needs to give the practice 60 days, right? It seems imbalanced. It is. Yeah, right? it yeah. is. And I think we'll just kind of skip ahead on that issue. I mean, I think you have to be careful about these lengthy notice periods uh, because I mean, it, kind of sticking around the scene of the crime yeah. for too long isn't necessarily a good thing. I mean, obviously, the, the practice needs time to find a replacement. So the associate can't just say, I'm out of here on Friday, it's Tuesday. Thank you very much. That would put the practice in a bad situation. But having these really lengthy notice periods, while it may be nice to, uh, to have the luxury of time to vet other replacements yeah. and associates, uh, you, know, you may still be working with this person that you have fired or who has given you given you notice. Right. And so, uh, and as we talked about at the outset, this is one of those, those examples where it's easy for a corporate who never, person that signs the agreement never sets foot in the practice, yeah. they can put all this stuff in. If you are working with Dr. A in this practice and you, know, you have told them that Two months from now, you will no longer work for this practice. That next two months is not going right. to be a whole lot of fun, yeah. right? Um, so I think- I'll point out too for practice owners, just because I live in this world, it's, it really goes back to about the why too. You know, there are reasons that our, you know, one of our associates became a periodontist because I said you should become a periodontist and she listened, right? She knew this, you know, uh, actually like five months before she was supposed to leave. So her working there for those five months was pretty normal, right? Yeah. It was kind of celebratory. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wasn't selfish in saying, I wish she didn't get into perio school so she could be my general dentist associate. Right. So those scenarios make sense. But what you're sharing is a good point too. There's a certain amount of team energy inside of a practice. Right. And when someone's sticking around, who's not gonna be there long-term for a reason that's not celebratory. Totally. It does not create a culture of awesomeness, right? Right, right. And, and and guess what? You know, when you talk about a culture of awesomeness, I, I like uh -huh. that. Um, that impacts the team, and what impacts the team impacts the patients. That's yeah. the vibe of the place. You know, it's like it's kind of like one of those. Uh, it was like a classic Saturday Night Live skit, Paul, from like I think it was like the late seventies. Yeah. Um, who was it? I think it was like Jane Curtin. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, but it's this couple that has this restaurant and, and, it. and it's only one table, right? <laughs> it's a very special restaurant. And uh, it could even be Gilda Radner, I forget. I, I have to go rewatch it. And uh, so each, they, each there's like a six course meal and each time they bring out 
course, they go back in the kitchen and they start to argue. And yeah. each time the, 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 the violence escalates in the kitchen. But, you know, that becomes the vibe of the place. Like you can't have this nasty throwdown brawl right. in the kitchen in a, a fine dining restaurant where everybody's sitting there listening yeah. to this. Like, and, and, and the people in the, in the, in the, uh, in the dining room are the patients. Yeah. Right. And so having a situation where, you know, people are uncomfortable and uh, not happy to be there is, is just not a good game plan. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, again, uh, we're talking about this from the employer's perspective. Absolutely. As an employer, you need to have sufficient time to yeah. find a replacement. But I sometimes find that it's, you know, I wouldn't say humorous, but odd, notable, whatever, when we're, we're talking to practice owners, kind of when we're on the associate yeah. side of this, and they say, oh, I need a full 90 days right. to find somebody, or I need 120 days to find somebody. I'm like, what? What kind of search is it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're in this world, Paul. I was just going to say, and I, you know, it could be a plug for what I do with Dennis Job Connect, but once you've you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes. Once you've brought on an associate, you fundamentally change your practice in a way that is likely one that makes you happier than less happy, right? But what comes with it is, once you have children and you need a babysitter, you now may need another babysitter. So maybe it's just an important point, and you know, Rob Montgomery to be purposeful and make plans is be connected with people who can find associates because there's many reasons right. why your associate might be leaving. Some good, some not so good, some sad, some devastating, some happy. So. Don't, you know, try to get this outlandish termination agreement because you think you're going to be on a four month search for the right replacement. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. You know? It's not good, you know, and and it may take you some time. But I mean, like you got to get on it. You right. know, you have to move quickly. You should already have be tapped into the network, as you said, with, you know, what who you're going to talk to, how you're going to go about that process. You know, you can't just sit there and, and wait three weeks and say, well, I guess I have to put an ad in you know, Indeed, you yeah. know, and see if I can find somebody. You know? and, <laughs> like, and what I'll share in this moment, and this is for the practice owners, but it's also giving them tips and tools. You know, if it's more than 30 days, it could be something that the associate feels uncomfortable even taking the position. So just yeah. have a discussion with your dental focus attorney, because if you say 90 days, they may be having some guidance, it could be from a friend, it could be from a colleague, it could be from their attorney saying, do you really want to sign something? What if you get a better opportunity? What if your spouse moves? What if you have a practice to purchase, right? So to me, and I'm someone who's deep into doing this with multiple associates, 30 days is a good time to wrap things up, to plan for the next step, to get to, to and I think also what you said, Rob, if 30 days, anyone can get through 30 days, you know, and sort of say, let's get through this together. The patients are the most important, your team, your assistant. I mean, I can right. give practice owners, you know, tips to, you know, when you share personal interest, like if, I, if my associate said, I'm leaving tomorrow, right? And I say, I need you to stay for 30 days. And I'm leaving tomorrow. And it's not for one of these things you've outlined, like not insurable. I'd say, mm -hmm. do you want your assistant not to have a job, Dr. Smith? Do you want your assistant? You know, you know your assistant, you know what right. they're dealing with. And while I'm not trying to be manipulative, I'm actually just trying to share the story. Because I go, if you leave tomorrow, this person might not be able to work. And that might make them sort of just understand, I am part of a team. Mm -hmm. I am part of this organization. For whatever reason, I'm not going to be there anymore. But, you know, it's like, you know, there's a lot of cliches. Don't burn bridges. Mm -hmm. Communities are small. Yeah. Well, I think, you know. It, that's true. Yeah, though, you, know, you know. So I think practice owners can kindly and in my way annoyingly remind them that maybe sometimes it's a good life lesson for the associate. You know, yeah. everyone needs life lessons. We were, I was young. I needed life lessons. Right. Hey, I know you're so frustrated with X, Y, and Z, but you know that we do ethical care here. You know that we have a team where we don't ask for outlandish things. Let's get through this month. 
and then we can move on. Yeah, yeah, and that's a reasonable period yeah. of time. You know, uh, beyond that, you know, you're just like the, the it's like you know the the food has gone bad. Yeah, in the yeah. Refrigerator. Guess it's things, too long. Yeah, yeah, yeah things yeah. are starting to spoil. But look, I'll say this right out front. You know the. If, if a practice owner is looking to stymie the associate's ability to be entrepreneurial, putting in a 60, right. 90 or longer day notice of termination is going to make it really difficult to buy a practice, to do a startup, maybe not as much with a startup, but certainly to buy a practice. Yeah. Uh, it's hard, you know, and that's when we're counseling people who have those uh, extended notice periods and their associates looking to do uh, a startup yeah. or, or an acquisition, it's a challenge, yeah. you know, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, if, if the goal is, you know, yeah. to, you know, kind of put the lid on that, yeah, you can uh, do yeah, that, yeah. you know, and, and it's up to you. I mean, it, how are you going to deal with that 90 day period? You know, you're going to just be ready for the consequences. Right. Um, and, but you know, if, if that makes sense to you and you're willing to suck it up and deal with the, the pain that may go along with that, if, if you feel like that's something that you want to do, um, you can put in those those longer periods and, and you're going to make it much harder for yeah. them to to move on to someplace else in a way that may compete against you. And for some people, there's appeal with that. Right. Something else I'll, I'll note that we see this generally more in, uh, in corporate agreements, but um, that's not to say that an owner operator couldn't put this in either. Um, somewhat more predatory uh, provision, but uh, we do see agreements where uh, it'll say that you know the practice has to give the associate 30 days or 60 days, whatever. The associate has to give the same period of time. However, the practice can terminate them on the spot upon receipt of that notice from the associate. So it may be 60 and 60 days, right? Yeah. But the practice may say, oh, there's the door. Um, again, this is a, a, a more of a harsh kind of reality yeah. um, that you know a, a young associate who's taking that job should probably be careful about signing right. up for something like that. But it's a thing. You know, and it's a thing that uh, a tool that could be. So could it be seems employed. like that that's an Im imbalance, but it's just something to be aware of this imbalance in yeah. the Levy. Is, is that part the part of the what about the maybe this is jumping ahead for Europe, but like the what is the part where if the associate does if you are, if you have an associate they don't you can ask for a payment or right, right. or you can ask for some sort of compensation Liquid, liquidated damages okay, gotcha. we call that right so that comes up in a couple different contexts and generally under the law liquidated damages are a formula that you put in contracts yeah. when it's too hard to accurately determine the exact amount of damages that would result from a breach so this is one of those places where how much is a practice damaged if an associate is supposed to give 60 days notice and they give 10. It's hard to it's hard to prove yeah. that, you know, that in some cases the practice may do better, you know. But over, they put a, they assign a dollar value. So they assign a dollar. They could say it's 50 days, not 500 hours a day, and now the associate exactly. is supposed to pay $25,000. Exactly. You know, and that's a bit of a hammer. And that um, is designed to if you're a practice owner to say then you hopefully your associate will fulfill the agreement right. instead of doing that. Yes. Instead of that scenario, there. right? Yeah, you're trying to disincentivize them from doing yeah. the wrong thing. Just you know? and basically, it's kind of a theme, and you've helped me understand this more. It's like, you know, it's the contract is there to manage expectations of both people, make them aware 
you know, if you're a practice owner, make people aware. But also, like you say, you don't really want to create a winner and a loser. So if you're a practice owner listening to this and saying, I'll be so glad to correct $20,000, probably you're not glad to collect that in that scenario. Oh, no. Right? Probably no. something has not happened well to have that happen. No. And, and you talk about being a small community, you know, your reputation as a as a practice owner, if you do that, you know, you make the list, you know, like we kind of have a list of the people <laughs> that we know yeah, yeah. here to be avoided, you know, because they've, they've, they've uh, done some not so spectacular things. The practice owner have done this, and I know it's hard because everyone's busy, but this is where the value, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but this is where the value of checking in with your associates and giving feedback and receiving feedback in an authentic way is so valuable. Because I think when you develop that relationship, people don't want to leave you stuck, right? Even if they're doing it. But sometimes I feel as practice owners, if you're not spending that time doing that, then people don't always feel like they want to have your back at the end. Yeah. You know? Right. Well, look, you know, it's, uh, uh, you get out what you put in to, yeah. to just about everything and, and relationships, you know, certainly, you know, first and foremost. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and as you say about liquidated damages, that gets us back to this whole, the term, right? So again, what we talked about in the associate season with fixed terms where you can't terminate without cause, you know, that beca- that's becoming more of a thing. Uh, that, kind of dovetails with this liquidated damages concept. So if you have a situation where there's a two-year employment agreement that cannot be terminated early or cannot be terminated without cause, and it's six months in, means there's 18 months left. And if the associate tries to leave at $500 a day, I mean, that can be a a whopper of, of a number. Um, So uh, again, you know, that may be something that you want to do as a practice owner, you feel like it's necessary, but that's one of those that, uh, you know, look, if somebody doesn't want to work for you, yeah. you know, do you really want them? It's a good point. Do and you think, want to work with them? And that's them? why, you know, I'm a practice owner. And I think that the, you know, we talked about contractual awareness in the previous episodes. That's why like utilizing these contracts help you really understand who you're hiring, right? You know, hopefully they're reading it. Hopefully they're seeing it. If you outline something that's reasonable to your associate, and they treat it like that, you know, I know you've sometimes seen people, the lawyers try to negotiate it like it's like some sort of congressional law, then maybe that's not the right associate for you. Right. You know? So when you float these things out, like, hey, there's going to be a 30-day termination notice because we want to make sure we don't leave the patient alert. And your associate says, well, I don't want any termination notice. Well, usually they're kind of raising their hand saying, it's a problem. I'm going to bounce it anytime I find something better. Absolutely. And, you know, and I think you can ask for, you know, just stick with your example, a 30-day notice period with liquidated damages. Yeah. Because look, if you can't give me 30 days, then I got a problem right. with you. Like that's yeah. you know, professionally, that's what you should be doing anyway. Uh, but ask for $500 a day with you know a two-year you know, fixed term without uh, termination without cause, then uh, you know that that's not such a good thing. I want to bring this up because I, I meant to say, because it made me think of a time where I said to want to show my wife that I was right. Because someone said, hey, Paul, I took your advice and I hired an associate and I, I, uh, I wanted to see if I could get the exact wording, but he basically said, I wrote a contract, you know, with my attorney that I would be okay signing. And, you know, a lot of that kind of that, you know, sort of funny word problem stuff fits well with this as a practice owner, right? Yeah. Are you handing something over that if you were an associate, you'd be cool with signing? And every time I've worked with you guys and your team, I felt 100% confident I've handed a contract to someone that I would sign myself, right? Mm-hmm. And it, with, you know, 
it's your awareness of protecting yourself as a practice owner is important too, right? It's your practice. Oh, doesn't absolutely. Mean, it doesn't mean just don't protect yourself and no. say whatever's cool. No, that's the other yeah. extreme of the problem. But, you know, but the absolutely. other one is not to sort of make this person that you're asking to care for your patients. I mean, what I want to highlight as a practice owner is like the associate dentist is such a critical role. They're delivering the dental care to your patients. You know, while the whole team is important, it's different than admin person number three who doesn't even work on the floor with the patients, right? right? Absolutely. You know? Right. right. So I just think as a practice owner, you know, it, when you get to the, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you're talking about an uncomfortable thing. You're talking about the end of the relationship up front. Yeah. You know, don't expect it to be super comfortable. Yeah. Well, this is the, the prenup of sorts. Yeah. Right. But I think and your point a while ago is a good one. You know, there, there are different types of separations, you know, different types of terminations. There's the sort of the the victory lap that you yeah. talked about where uh, your your associate's going to go to uh, uh, to do a residency yeah. and, and specialize or there's the probably more common one which is hey we don't get along so yeah. well you know it wasn't the, it, it was a misfit yeah and so you know as we talked about in a different context too there are good breakups and bad breakups right, right? this stuff really becomes an issue during the the bad breakups. Right. The bad breakups are where this these things are magnified and analyzed. And so uh, as you think about this and look at this, we're, we're talking about the bad scenario. Yeah. You know, this is, hey, you want to leave so quickly, you, you know, like 30 days is hard, like it's that bad. Right. You know? And so everybody that's involved in that you know, separation is is probably not in a in a good headspace, yeah. you know. And so, well, generally, when that happens, you can kind of it doesn't bring out the best in people, right? Exactly, right. And so, uh, but I think again, you know, we've talked about differences between the you know, DSO mindset with contracts versus the owner operator. And I'll say this, you know, look, uh, you as the as the practice owner. Um, as our client, you are, you're the decision maker. You yeah. decide what you want, you know, and um, you don't just have to just trip along an autopilot and end up with a type or a style of agreement that's somewhat predatory just because you can, right? right? Like totally. you, you have say in this, you know, yeah. you have a seat at the table. You are the one paying the bill, right? right? It's okay for you to say, I don't like this provision. And the lawyer may say, well, here's why it's in there. Yeah. But you decide, right. right? But that requires you to be invested and involved and engaged in the process because this document is a reflection of you and your practice. I love it. You should, that's why this kind of just good to say, don't just print one off the internet, hand it to your associate, doesn't fit your practice. You know, as a practice owner, you know, it's like a treatment plan for someone else's mouth. It's not yours. So, yeah. you know, you, when, when, a, when someone says to yeah. that to, on Facebook or someone say, well, can you just come up with any treatment plan and say, oh, this is three crowns. Why isn't it good for my mouth? And dentists would say, yeah, well, that's great. not what you need. It's great. Yeah. So it's yeah, like, you know, for sure. And, uh, you know, it's it's also what you just said was important, customizing it to fit your needs. Yeah. Maybe, you know, one of the awesome attorneys here says, hey, Paul this is why we put this in. I say, well, let's dial it down for this one associate for this reason. And I hear what you're saying, but I know this is how exactly. you manage the relationship. And that's how you work together with your advisors and getting to know them too. Right. You know, it's like relationships are important. You know, I think it's funny, not funny. It's probably not valuable. People probably come to you guys, Rob, at like these giant life decisions and career decisions. They don't know you at all. And they're sort of like, I need this thing done to determine the next step of my life in the next month. Right. And you guys haven't had a chance to get to know them. So I think it just kind of goes back to, as a practice owner, really get to know these people who you're working with. Well, get to know them 
and be engaged. Right. You know, you can't just accept that my lawyer sent me a 12-page draft agreement that I didn't really read, and I looked at for 30 seconds and signed off on it and said, it's okay. You know, you need to participate yeah. in this process. You need to you need to have your head in it. You need to be engaged. You need to understand what's in there. Make sure that it's, you know, accurately reflects the kind of person, the kind of yeah. dentist, the kind of practice owner that you are. You know, and if you're not, like we don't know. There's right. some people that want it that way. You know, there's yeah. some people that don't want it that way. And the you know, the only way that we know what they want is if they put their head in the game. And 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 let us yeah. know, you know. And so, uh, again, you like with most things, and we talked about it already earlier in the show. Uh, you get out what you put into it. So you know, key. spend the time, put your head in it, make sure that this is this captures what you are all about, and then then you're good to go. Yeah. And then number two, number three, you don't have to be involved at that level because right. you know we've already got the sort of the the template you set of up a system for success yeah but absolutely work us down the system the thing you also had noted here rob i think is important for practice owners what does the trailing collections part mean for them yeah so this is this is another determination that you need to to make in and you know we see a lot of times again in uh corporate agreements where uh, a dentist associate is being paid a percentage of collections the agreement may say that after they're terminated, they're not entitled to any percentage of collections that are received after no longer working there. So they've done work, money comes in later, they don't get their 30, 35% of that. Um, that's a judgment call as well, but I think you need to be mindful of that yeah. as a practice owner. You know, will you continue to pay them a percentage of collections? And the, and the answer is, you know, what's right or wrong, it really depends. Yeah. You know, if you are giving them a daily minimum or a guaranteed minimum throughout the period, or maybe just upfront, then they've been paid early on. Right. So then, you know, this is sort of like payback for that time, you know, when they weren't, yeah. they, they hadn't received the collections yet, it might be okay to terminate it. But if they're being paid on a on a straight uh, collection basis, then, you know, the last couple of months, they may not be right. getting paid for that. You know? I would say as a practice owner, I like to just keep up with the reconciliations. This is good business practice and good just financial practice. I, I've, I've never seen a situation where someone's, in general, someone's owed someone $60,000 and they have to pay it on this day. And it's been a good day to pay that, you know? So yeah, I just think right. my my inspiration as practice owners to practice owners just to keep up with your reconciliation. Totally. You know, I think a lot of hard feelings happen on both sides. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes Seinfeld's a funny joke. It's like when you get the bill at the end of the meal, like, who ate all this stuff? It was you, right? You know, why is it 300 bucks? And, yeah, yeah. and I just think it's kind of a funny way of saying, like, you know, you have this $17,000 collections thing you have to pay to someone. It just doesn't feel, it could be a mathematically 100% accurate. It just doesn't feel right. So that's why I like yeah. to just keep up with it on an every two week basis. Well, you just think about it. I mean, like if you, if you walk onto the floor of a casino, right, in Las Vegas, yeah. And, you know, look at the people sitting around a table where there's like lots of yeah. chips, right? They're generally not like, it's not like a jovial, happy yeah. mood. Like that's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's pretty much looks like a, like a funeral, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that's not, you know, when the stakes get high, yes. you know, they, they start to get a little anxious, right? So um, I agree with you, Paul. I mean, you can just avoid that. Yeah, by, keep up know, with your collections. Keep the chips, reconcile. keep pulling them yeah. off from, yes. from time to time and yeah, don't yeah. turn this into this like giant, like all stakes hand. And that, <laughs> yes, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. sweat pouring yeah, down. Yeah, you exactly. Know, what's he going to do? Is he going to pay her? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Let's exactly. see. Oh, he's yeah, yeah. that's a big pile yes, of chips. I know. You know? I like, like that. to have those You got to get a dentalist and else get on that. Rob. That's great. <laughs>
great. <laughs> Sounds good. Well, uh, I think that's all for us today. Um, thanks, Paul, for coming in and chatting as always. And thanks everybody for yeah. listening. If you like the show, uh, give us a great uh, review on on Apple or Google. Uh, and even if you don't like the show so much, you still can you know, give us yeah. a little, share, little it with, share it with your friends. Add your review next to my aunt's there. Best best podcast ever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, thanks for talking about it. Delivered a lot of value to practice owners. Sounds good. Until next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to another great podcast with the Dental Amigos. And don't forget to tune in next time to have the dental business demystified. If you're looking for more information about today's podcast, you can find it on the dentalamigos.com. If you're looking for Paul, you can find Paul at drpaulgoodman.com. And if you're looking for Rob, you can find him at yourdentallawyer.com. This podcast has been sponsored by Orange Line Media Group, helping dentists and other professionals create content people love. Find out how we can help you take your business to the next level at www.orangelinemg.com. Till next time.